It's the other side of midnight with Frank Morano. I want to hold your hand. Well, it was 60 years ago this week. They performed this song on the Ed Sullivan. <laughs> I cannot say Ed Sullivan. Ed Sullivan. <laughs> These guys will attest I'm not drunk. For some reason, I cannot say the TV show that was hosted by Ed Sullivan. I could say Ed Sullivan. I could say show, but for some reason I cannot say Ed Sullivan show. I keep uh, turning it into Ed Sullivan show, or as Ed Sullivan himself would probably say, Ed Sullivan shoe. Well, somebody who not only has a better command of the English language than I do, but has a lot of the great stories and backstory regarding that appearance and the Beatles uh, invading America 60 years ago this week is uh, Elliot Gordon, entrepreneur, former aide to Mayor Giuliani, a producer and a talent agent and a great friend to this show. Elliot, it's great to talk to you. Frank, I, when I heard you mention my name before, I got all excited. It's 2.20 in the morning, but I'm revved up and ready to go. We are thrilled to have you. Now, a lot of folks may not remember what a big deal this was 60 years ago. Some folks will, but first set the stage. How important was Ed Sullivan to popular culture at the time in 1964? What was Ed Sullivan's place in making stars and in the media in general at that point? America got together Sunday nights at 8 watching the Ed Sullivan show. We're talking about 40, 50 million viewers on a regular off Sunday night. He owned the world. Everybody was there. And I got a buddy. He's 90 years old now, Vince Calandra. He was one of the producers. And he told me, he said, uh, Ellie said, at that time, the reason for variety shows were because families had one television set. So we needed a comedian for Pop. We needed a singer for Mom. We needed a rock band for Sis and a juggler for Tommy. And we had it all. And Ed went all over the world looking for the best talent on earth. And he produced, Ed actually found the Beatles. <clears throat> Vince was with them because they were changing planes to see another act in, uh, in uh, Europe at Heathrow Airport in uh, Great Britain. And they saw a crowd around an airplane and Ed wanted to find out. He found out it's a hot new rock band. And he said, I want to have them on my show. And he got in touch with their manager, Brian Epstein, who said, hey, we are booked by a man named Sid Bernstein. 
to perform at Carnegie Hall on February 12th of 1964 so we could do the Sullivan Show around that time. So people think that Ed Sullivan brought them to America. It was Sid Bernstein, and and uh, Brian told him, call Sid, and he'll give you all the information. Sullivan knew Sid as an agent, and he spoke to Sid about, hey, where do I pick these guys up to bring them to my show this Sunday before? And Sid said, hey, they'll be at the plaza. And that's how that, that came together as far as Ed Sullivan. But he owned the television world. And remind folks of your relationship with Sid Bernstein. I know you guys were pretty close. Sure. Sid Bernstein, I guess you could say I was his apprentice. I knew Sid for over 35 years, and there would be times where we would be on the phone four or five times a day. And Sid and I became very close. You know, it's very interesting. I would get Sid an endless amount of interviews because everybody, there was always a radio station somewhere doing a Beatle weekend, and I would arrange for Sid to come on and talk about the time he picked up a newspaper in Times Square to do a homework assignment, and he looked at the uh, entertainment section, and he saw a music note, four lads from Liverpool causing a stir, and he said, this looks interesting, and he kept following it in the papers, because he took a course at the news school at night about foreign governments just to expand his mind. He was working as an agent during the day for General Artists Corporation, and he said, "Oh, I'm looking at England because my assignment was uh, uh, the England parliamentary system, and I'm looking in the entertainment section. One note, four last from Liverpool causing a stir one day. By the end of the week, it was two lines. By the following week, it was half a page in a photograph. And he said, I didn't realize it, but at the time, through the newspaper, paper I was picking up in Times Square at the newsstand, I was witnessing the birth of the Beatles. So I would get Sid interviews really constantly, and over a 35-year period, we became inseparable. So more than my mentor, he became my dear friend, and not only my dear friend, but there's a man, Paul McCartney, who spent the rest of Sid's life as his dear friend. Grand Canyon University's RN to BSN online degree program makes earning your bachelor's in nursing possible. Balance online coursework with local in-person clinicals to position yourself for potential leadership opportunities in the time you have from wherever you are. Leaving room for what matters. Achieve your goals with your personalized plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. Tell me about this clip we're about to play. Uh, this is Sid Bernstein speaking about uh, not only the Beatles, but uh, Brian Epstein. Set it up for us. Sure. Very quickly. In other words, Sid, uh, brought when he uh, saw this in the newspapers, he brought that back to the head of his agency, Buddy Howe. And he said, hey, Buddy, there's something going on in Liverpool. I'm reading in the papers. I see photographs. There are kids online. There's a hot band out there. And Buddy says to Sid, hey, we got an office in London. We'll send one of our agents up to Liverpool to check it out. That's a long trip, Frank. That's like a two-hour drive. So about three weeks later, Buddy comes back into Sid's office, and he hands him a memo. 
memo. He said, this is the memo I got from our agent that we sent to Liverpool to see the Beatles. I said, Sid, what did the memo say? He said, the memo said, good band, but not right for American audiences. And Buddy says, we're going to turn down your, your hunch, Sid. But Sid said, L, I saw those photographs of those kids online. They buy tickets. That's how I make my bread and butter as a promoter. I know Buddy's wrong. And Sid went about said, I'll do it myself. I'll bring them in myself. I said, Sid, how did you contact them? You couldn't Google Beatle manager on Google. Right. This is 1962. He said, El, I'm having ice cream at a restaurant called Stouffer's. An agent walks in who I knew very well, Bud Seligwell, and he said, hey, Sid, what's going on with you? And he said, Bud, I'm hot on a British band called the Beatles. I don't know who represents them. I want to bring them in. I don't know who to call. And Bud said, hey, Sid, I just got back from London. His name is Brian Epstein. I was working for him. They got records released in England by EMI, who owns Capitol Records. And he wanted me to go to the disc jockeys at the radio station to push some airplay. He said, Sid, it's very small. It's very local. You're building this thing up in your mind. It's nothing like you think it is. And he said, hey, Bud, Give me his number. He said he lives with his mother, Queenie Epstein, in London. Here's his mother. So Sid calls him. He speaks to his mother. She puts her son on the phone. And the first thing Brian says to Sid, what's wrong with you people in America? He said, I'm calling promoters. They aren't <laughs> interested in the Beatles. He said, EMI called Capital, which they own, to release the Beatle records in the United States. They turned it down. They said, not worth the investment. He said, we are booked in the biggest music halls in England. We got dates for Germany, Italy, and France. What's the deal with America? And Sid said, L, I told them I've been following the Beatles in the newspapers, and I would like to be the first man to bring your band. And Brian never called them his band or the Beatles. He always said, my boys. He said, to bring your boys to America, if you would allow me to do that. And Brian said, hey, Sid, uh, where are you going to present them? And Sid said, L, I didn't even think about that. So I just threw out, uh, how about Carnegie Hall? And Brian said, that's class. When the Beatles come, when my boys come to New York, it's Carnegie Hall. And Sid said, well, how much money are you getting? He said, well, in the equivalent of dollars to pounds, in England, we're getting $2,000 a show. And Sid told me, he said, L, I was shooting dice. I just told him, Brian, I'll take two shows in one night for 6500 What do you think of that? And it blew Brian away. And he said, hey, we can't do it over the next few months. Let's do it a year from now, February of 64. And the only hook is that we get a record on the charts. Wow. Uh, well, here is uh, the man himself, Sid Bernstein, the man that brought the Beatles to America, talking about what occurred this week, 60 years ago. I wanted to bring them, and I decided I'm going to bring them. And so I called Brian at his home. He was still being at home in Liverpool with his mother, Queenie. And I said, Mr. Epstein, I want to bring your group to America. I said, where? I wasn't prepared for that. But my favorite venue is in my own city. That's Carnegie Hall. 
I said, I'd like to bring them to Carnegie Hall. Now, I hadn't heard their music. I'd only read about them in the English newspapers, and all they wrote about was this new group, the Beatles. I just felt I'd gone to something. I met them originally when they checked into the Plaza Hotel prior to playing Carnegie Hall for me and prior to playing Ed Sullivan's show, which was the most important television show in America at that time. They weren't show businessy. They were young guys interested in the reception, thrilled at the reception given to them, looking out their window, down at the crowd in the square outside of the Plaza Hotel, which is quite a large square, which was filled with young people. And they kept saying, don't believe this. This is more exciting even than what we're getting in England, where they were becoming superstars. You know? I got the feeling that these boys were Liverpool boys, and this is what they are. This is what they'll always be. And I feel no matter, with all the success that they had throughout the world, they were still products of Liverpool. I own the Liverpool Shuffle. When you do a film that's successful, and that film was very successful, you become a film star. Unlike doing a concert where you play a chosen select number of theaters and venues, a film star gives you a, a new feeling of, hey, I've done it, and I can do it again, and I can do it even better. That's the message I got. They were still the very same guys. They were always the guys next door. It didn't change. I think Brian, although he didn't have the experience that I did with other entertainers, somehow acquired that experience quickly and was very respected. I heard criticism of Brian when I visited London and the famous ISO's restaurant, but I think it came out of jealousy. That's what I attributed to. I found him flawless. I find, found him decent. I found him honest. I never made a contract with Brian. It's all done on the phone. Now, this, these things don't happen easily in our business usually need lawyers and more lawyers on your side and on their side. I didn't need a lawyer with Brian. He was thoroughly honest, very credible. He was one decent human being, and I miss him. We're talking with uh, Elliot Gordon, of the I would call him the keeper of the Sid Bernstein flame, not only a protege of the great Sid Bernstein, the man that brought the Beatles to America, but a close friend of his as well. He's an entrepreneur, a producer, and a talent agent in his own right. Elliot, what did the Beatles' British invasion in 1964 mean for future British groups and maybe even future foreign groups in general? Did that sort of set the stage for other groups like the Rolling Stones? 
The Dam Broke by the Beatles. Now, when Sid brought the Beatles in, uh, he told me, he said, Al, he had to reveal to his boss that he was the promoter. He was doing it. And they actually, instead of firing him because it was a violation of their uh, business code, that uh, they offered him a promotion and more money. But Sid said, Al, I didn't like being an agent. An agent is a salesman. You know, you call a promoter and you say, hey, do you want to buy Tony Bennett? Do you want to buy Joe Williams? He said, I like the action. So I had backers come to me. The man who originally lent them the money to make that deal with Brian Epstein was a friend from the jewelry district called Abe Margulies and another man from the garment center, Walter Hyman. And uh, Walter called Sid and said, hey, Sid, you are the hottest name in show business. You're the man who brought the Beatles to America. Go leave the agency. We'll rent an office on Park Avenue. We'll come up with the money and you start promoting full time. So Sid left the agency on good terms. He said, Al, I go to my office, the brand new office on Park Avenue. The first call I get, it rings. It's a man named Andrew Lug Oldham. I said, Sid, how do you forget a name like that? That's like that's like half a paragraph. He said he calls me. He's calling me from England, and he said, Mr. Bernstein. He said, uh, I got a band here in uh, in London. They work in the bars. They work in the joints. And they said, Hey, we'd like to get some work in New York City. If the Beatles went with Sid Bernstein, call Sid Bernstein. So he said, Sid, this is the reason for my call to you. Can you give my band get them some work in New York? And Sid said, well, uh, Mr. Uh, he said, well, Andrew, what do they have a name? What do they call themselves? And he said, they call themselves the Rolling Stones. And at that point, Sid brought the Rolling Stones into New York to play at Carnegie Hall. And then the Dave Clark Five, the Moody Blues, the Kinks, the wow. Hermits, Hermits. And they all said the same thing. Mr. Bernstein, they said the Beatles went with Sid Bernstein, called Sid Bernstein. So that all went to Sid, and he wound up with the British invasion. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. Elliot, thanks for uh, letting us stroll down memory lane. I know you're very much in demand this week uh, because it is the 60th anniversary of the Beatles coming here and appearing on uh, Ed Sullivan. It's always a treat to talk with you. I hope we can do this again soon. Now, I want to mention tonight I will be doing this presentation at the ballroom at Country Point in Plainview, Long Island. It's a private community, but I know they'll be listening. So come down and buy tickets. We're almost sold out. Frank, you're the best, and thank you for having me on. Thank you, Elliot. Give them our best in Plainview, because from what I understand, Plainview is still wall-to-wall. Frank Morano country. All right, we're going to take your calls in a moment. 800-848-9222, 800-848-9222. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead.